warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies, with just a hint of professionalism. Scott here with Stephen as usual. Hello, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm doing incredibly well. Yes. How are you doing? I'm fine. We're not going to talk about lockdown. We speak about it every single week. It's still going on. There's no end to it, but it's just meaning we've got a bit more time to watch a few great movies. And what I want to point out right at the top of this show is what. A strange movie you picked for me this time round. Um, yeah, it's it's what I was expecting, but on the other hand, it was completely eye-opening. I don't want to go too much into it before we start the review, but you'd seen this before, hadn't you? This particular movie. Yes, I had. Yeah, on the back of seeing um, uh, the Long Arm, which yes. is Jack Hawkins, which is a great. Great film, uh, please. Very procedural. similar character, very similar. <coughs> yeah, mm. um, and um, on the back of seeing that, I thought, oh, I really like that. That was, you know, it was incredibly good, and that almost was what I suggested this time around okay. for us to review, but this pipped it. Uh, on the back of that, I thought, oh, I want to see something similar, you know, similar to that. And I went, mm-hmm. how much more similar can you get in this? And then when I watched <laughs> it, I went, not entirely similar, but still in its own way. Um, oh, it's, it, yeah, so... Um, so yes, it's. Uh, I think it is an eye opener, and I think it is a film that is a bit below the radar, really, a bit forgotten, mm. almost unique um, mm. in certain aspects. We'll go into it because yeah, I've got a few things I want to say. Unique but, does appear in one in in one of the notes I've made. I don't make right. a lot of notes, but one of the notes <laughs> I have made is, is uniqueness. So. Okay, it's Gideon's Day or Gideon of Scotland Yard. I think was the American title. Yes, it was. 1958, it's John Ford, of all people, who we're going to have to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break, we'll be back after this. Chief Inspector George Gideon. Chief Inspector George Gideon. Inspector Gideon! This is Inspector Gideon, a big wheel at Scotland Yard, but not exactly top dog in his own backyard. It's my boss! For better or for worse, this was certainly one of Gideon's days. Chief Inspector, may I ask you what you're accusing me of? If you want it in simple terms, I'm accusing you of accepting bribes and so deliberately failing to carry out your duty. Now, look it's here. no use your denying it. I know who's been paying you and I know why. Do you want to know how I know? Because an honest crook told me. Think I don't know? Think I don't know that the name of Gideon stinks in the West End? <laughs> Get everything out of it. Pack a few clothes for yourself if you need. Don't take everything. Do you imagine that I came here alone to arrest your wife? You made one big mistake, Inspector. You came into this house alone. Ooh, red light, Pop. Even Gideon wouldn't call this a good day. Didn't you see the lights against you, sir? Yeah, it's all right. There was nothing coming. That doesn't alter the fact that you committed an offence. May I see your license, please? You're not presuming to blister my father. The law, Miss Gideon, it is Miss Gideon, allows no distinction between high-ranking police officers and other members of the public. Anna Massey is Gideon's daughter. The young copper is Andrew Ray. And the best squealer in the business is Bertie Sparrow. You all right, sir? Yeah. Not one of the regulars, eh? Uh, they wouldn't be such fools as to carry guns. George, found the night manager with three bullet holes in him. Chummy hairs for the drop. Mm-hmm. 
Gideon's Day, released, it says here in the USA, on the 22nd of June, 1958. Directed, incredibly, by John Ford. Yes, that John Ford. Uh, written by T.E.B. Clark, who we will talk about. Starring the great Jack Hawkins, Anna Lee. I believe it is the debut of Anna Massey in this film. Yes. It is. Okay, there's a guy called Andrew Ray that we need to talk about. Marvellous Michael Trubshaw, Derek Bond's in there, and Jack Watling, and one of the Cusacks. And I think there's going to be a whole host of people milling about outside the Village Hall of Fame at some point. <laughs> he says, like, chuckling away to himself. He knows that list is never-ending. <laughs> it was yes. your, yeah, your choice. Uh, so your synopsis, please, mate, take it away. It's uh 24 tense taut hours in the day of a dour determined detective fighting larceny in London, a murderer from Manchester, a teenage traffic ticketeer, and all the while battling for his own bathroom. That sounds like something you wrote because you do like a bit of alliteration. I do like alliteration, <laughs> yeah. Um, Is so, that one of yours? Uh, yes, I did write that, I yeah. I thought so, yes. Um, I had your mark all over it, but... So, so yes, basically, um, it's it's to some extent a, a police drama, um, uh, a day in the life of. Um, but oh. there were there were other bits floating into the the mix. Oh, what a day! Um, what a day! Really? Um, yeah, that he's 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 juggling throughout his his entire day. Right from the start, he's up against it as far as too many elements conflicting and and too much time drags. And um, you know, as it's as I put at the end of the synopsis, there, you know, just. Um, the battle to get into his own bathroom because of his teenage <laughs> daughter is 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 the start of his day being sort of going to to hell in a handbasket. So it doesn't let up really. It's it's it just shows his day doesn't let up. But yeah. it's not all heavy drama. There is some quite serious bits in it. But Very there's also serious. there's also some some nice little comedy bits in it as well. But yes, it's the first thing is its uniqueness. Mm-hmm. It being a, a a British crime cops and robbers film done by the great american director <laughs> john ford which is 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 you you know can't get much more unique than that i don't think yeah um, i think he only did one other contemporary type movie didn't he apparently yeah that wasn't a western or a period piece yeah it was mostly obviously a lot of his career was westerns and and war films yeah um and then yeah there's very very little that wasn't outside that and you know that it's it's just it, it it shows the, the the oddity of this film, you know, that Akira Kurosawa visited him on, visited the, uh, the set, visit John Ford <laughs> to see what he was up to, um, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's quite odd in in that respect. Yeah. But I mean, John Ford being the great director that he is, obviously, um, and then him in being put into his hands this script by Tibby Clark. Which is where I think the comic element comes in, and also yeah. you mentioning the battle for the bathroom. It's almost soap opera, almost sitcom, some of those family elements, because for some of the real heavy stuff that's going on throughout this movie, as you say, there is some real light-hearted stuff, and it's got to be Tibby Clark that's you know responsible yeah. for that, because... Was it Ealing Comedies, wasn't it? He, I think he's more famous yeah. for Yeah, I mean, he's you know not to pre preempt the the hall of fame but mm. he you know because previously he's you know he's, he's the ones that we've reviewed at least um passports pimlico mm-hmm. um he was um he was in you know did and um what was the other one he did as well um passports pimlico and lavender hill Mock, i was going to say was it um, yeah. and a, mm. a few others uh, of the the ealing comedies and he didn't just do comedies but he certainly that's where he excelled and um he excelled Really, with all his films, I would say is you know very much should be recognised mm. as one of the the better scriptwriters that we we've had in British cinema. Oh yeah, and so so John Ford having his his work to actually um, put on on screen, and then with some of the great character actors um, that are thrown into the mix, um, this film is unique, absolutely, as you said previously, um, and all the elements um, come together to to create a film not really like many other things although like you said i mean there's certain certain scenes you could imagine you know sid james 
been involved <laughs> with or, or, or whatsoever. But, yeah. You know, and, and I think some of the elements as well, there's some of the, the hard-boiled confrontations between police officers or, or whatsoever. I mean, there's little bits in there that I'm thinking... Oh, that's a bit Sweeney, that. And, well, and that he is the thing, Flying so. Squad. He does work for the Flying so, yeah, Squad, which exactly. is, you know, as we know from episode two, the Sweeney movie is the same same branch of Scotland Yard. But also, T.B. Clark didn't write this in an original script. This was a long series of existing novels. Yeah. Am I right that Gideon was a, a major character that's, you know... A, at least a dozen books i'm sure about yeah about 20 and mm. um the the guy who um who wrote it um wrote under a number of pseudonyms mm. and um one of the the other sort of trailblazing um characters that he wrote which was pre- previous to all of this and i don't think it was necessarily as as gritty or or anything but certainly was um quite popular mm. at the time was that the tough movies uh, about this you know rich aristocratic guy who was solving crimes and uh, the top right. um and he you know he wrote um wrote those as well did, did the um creasy i believe it That's was, was it. It said john creasy but he, he wrote under a number of pseudonyms um and yeah the, the the gideon character had over 20 novels running all the way up to the 70s i believe it was one of them one of them was was published posthumously but um of course then then you know inspired a tv series which isn't isn't really the same as um you found a copy of one didn't you on youtube you sent it yeah yeah they are on on youtube and Mm. um they actually hold their own compared you know compared to um other sort of police procedurals of the of the time and it ha- you know and that is helped by the fact that one of our favorites john gregson Mr. plays gregson, the, indeed. The, the part of um of, of gideon but um it is you know it's because it's i think it's placed maybe 10 years later or whatever than um the film is done mm-hmm. um there's various elements that the sort of change in it but yeah. um i say it's where it's worthy on its own i think the tv series but it's not actually doesn't seem to be canonical as far as uh, gideon's <laughs> day but jack hawkins obviously that we know what a character actor he is and in this you know portraying what what has been i don't know how close it relates to the books i don't know how much uh, tibby clark has has uh, taken any license from it but certainly i think he's He's I given think, humanity mm. to uh, what could be just a completely hard-boiled um, yeah. detective. I think he's put more of a a family element to it and more of a humorous element to it, having not read the books myself. But I've got, I've got the impression that the books are quite hard-boiled. They're quite gritty. But with this, as I say, it's almost soap opera in the family scenes. There's a lot of comic touches on this. You know, it's almost a bit of a wah, wah, wah moment at certain times. And and you mentioned that the original author, you know, doing this this book of posh novels, the thugs in this seem to be quite posh as well. You, they're not your Arthur Mullards or your <laughs> Alfie Basses, are they, in this? Quite caricatured in the, the, the razors who are going to try and <laughs> cut up the, the informant and, and stuff like that. Um, they, they tend to be... There's um, a couple less, like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they tend to be, uh, you know, and then the, the, the people who are breaking into the bank are obviously... Um, a bit well-heeled. The, 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 yeah, the, the, the rich at play. Mm. Um, so it's not much, so much fun in the end for them. But, Did you um, struggle to judge the tone of this because of things like the comic elements or the lighter side of it, sort of running in tandem with some very serious we've got to go into some of these serious things because it's 24 first hours time round, yeah, it, it, first time round, yeah first time around it did feel uh afterward watched it i did think well i'm not sure how i would describe that to somebody yeah, else because yeah. it, it does jump around a bit but because it is so well written mm. and also because it's well directed i think that what could be a complete mess of a film actually um works for me yeah. Um, they that they've got the balance right between the the pathos and the, the the grit. And to be honest, you know, there's there's bits where it's subtly alluding to things quite dark. Very dark. Um, Very dark. I mean, there's the um, there's the girl on the stairs that gets right. introduced to the uncle returning. Lawrence Naismith. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a great character actor and, and a British cinema, but she's on the stairs and gets reintroduced to this uncle character. Yeah. And you can just in that incredibly just the look and just sort of, well, she's you know, just saying, yes, stairs, she remembers yeah. him. There's obviously there's some history there. There's something yep. that's happened in when he was there previously and, and how how dark and, and um, unspoken um, that is, is is left left there but it's so subtle that it's quite easy for other people to not really question it too much but it then, could be just mm. mistaken for just uneasiness about some you know some stranger rather than it being that there's an undercurrent oh yeah really. there's more than an undercurrent because yeah when the mother leaves we get a scene that's worthy of hitchcock himself almost of naismith going up the stairs yeah it is just so like edge of the seat stuff and i'm thinking that is very dark for 1958. I don't know what certificate this got. I'm going to have to have a little look in a minute and see if we can find out. But I can imagine there's a lot of adult themes in this. Very Isn't adult, it? very mature film. But at the same time, there are these lighter elements interspersed, like the Michael Trubshaw character and some of the some of the bit players. They're not put in necessarily for comic effect, but it just lightens some of the darkness. I mean, there's a scene where Gideon goes into his boss and the boss is having a moose's head put on the wall. Yeah. You know, by two incompetent cowboys of, of maintenance men, you know, trying to get this moose head up with a couple of ropes. I think for me personally, on a first time watch, and I was going to try and watch it again because there was so much in this. There was too much in it for me to get my head round. I, I know what they were trying to do. Or I got this idea mm. that it was, it was just trying to encapsulate a very, very busy day for a chief inspector of the Met Police, you know, at Scotland Yard. But it was everything. You know, this was everything in the kitchen sink was thrown in from 7 o'clock in the morning until early hours of the following morning. You know, it was nearly 24 hours we see throughout here. Um, and it's bookended by two comic scenes with the young police officer giving him the, ple- you know, the, the parking ticket. Yeah. And ends up going on a date with his daughter towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um which is great, and it's all. You sort of get the impression that this is going to be a series of movies. This is going to carry on. You know, you think there's going to be a sequel to this, or, um, you know, it's going to be that whole sequence of Gideon movies with with the family interactions playing in amongst all these other crimes that he's trying to solve. I absolutely loved it, but there was, as I say, I think there was a bit too much for me to take in on the first time watch, and I think anybody that hasn't seen it needs to be prepared for that. I think that's a, a good shout because I mean, uh, undoubtedly, I think that it maybe maybe could have done with maybe having an extra fifteen minutes to 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 give you a bit more to take a breath time, time to take a breath, yeah. <laughs> um, because the, you know, there's there's not really bits that are, are, are too much filler in this, and you know that that means that there's. Um, the, there is a jam-packedness to it, which mm-hmm. means that, you, especially you know, especially first-time watch, I think it, you know, it it's got so much in it that you benefit from a second watch. Yeah, I think not just because of of that, but also because there are there is detail in it, which obviously again is down to the combination of of Tibby Clark and John Ford, who both master craftsmen of their their individual. Um, Fortes, mm-hmm. and that I think you know means it, it does um, it, it does benefit from and and, and survive um, rewatching because it, it's it's got the quality to it. Whereas some things, as we've said before, that you know you watch them um, more, and then you you start sort of seeing flaws, or you 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 don't really get anything out of it. Whereas this is one of the ones where I think it's it's a to some extent, it's a gift that keeps giving. So, I can, but I can understand what the the, the warning um, out there that is just um, a little bit a little bit heavily packed with things going on, which is kind of giving you, as you said, giving you the um, the feeling of how how up against it he is yeah, with, with, yeah. with time mm-hmm. and how you know he's. he's rushes to go and get to the courtroom only to then end up um <laughs> in there for 30 seconds yeah um you know the various elements that are within his life that are pulling him in different directions salmon um 
yeah and yeah the, you know <laughs> just things like that and it, but then it, the, the other side of it is that that's that's given a really good example of how this film portrays not just um the police um life at the time but it gives a, an insight into like um domestic life as well how understanding was his wife yeah. And his, yeah, his wife was <laughs> an absolute angel. It was too much. Um, I think. It was too much. Sure. And uh, you know, and uh, but then you know the 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 way in which um, the the housewife um, of the time was relegated yeah. below uh, a man mm-hmm. and uh, his career, and then the children. She was you know she, she would sometimes come like sort of fifth on the list of priorities within <laughs> her own home yeah. um that that you know and and it you know it did it did throw a bone here and there to actually recognize <laughs> that he was being an ass in in certain situations but um but yeah it did it, i think it did give that portrayal that duality of of um the home life and the um the professional life yeah. um at, of the time you know, in, a, in the zeitgeist of what it was was like, and it was on the cusp of changing, but this was just before it did change, really. Of course, nineteen fifty-eight, and I was sort of watching this and thinking, okay, we've we've got a John Ford movie here, but all the way through it, I'm thinking this doesn't feel like a John Ford movie because of what we're used to with the great. Yeah, there's man, no, there was know. no bit great big panoramic shots <laughs> of of some. Um, some vista uh, uh, monument on. valley or whatever you yeah. know we, we don't even get any great like sweeping shots of london to any degree you know a lot of it's, yeah. it's, it's very studio heavy with a certain amount of external sort of location work but i think what ford does well is because there's a lot of interaction between one central character and then a lot of other characters as a bit and a lot of other characters are being brought into the mix that is very similar to say something like a John Wayne movie where you get this one dominant central figure yeah and everybody's there's, there's hardly reacting any, any t- screen time where um where Jack Hawkins isn't on screen yes. and certainly yes. there's not really more than about a, a minute and a half, two minutes before he is on, you know, he, between him being on screen and being on screen again. Yeah. Um, there's a few vignettes that it shows just to show what's what's happening, setting, setting, it, setting yeah. him up for yeah. coming in. Mm. But um, that's that's about it. He's, so it is very much, you know, uh, as you say, a central character in the same way that is the the John Wayne or in some of the other some of the other um, war films that mm-hmm. and, uh, John Ford did, um, whereby there's a, you know, a central character. Yeah. So it, that does does feel very much John Ford, even it though must, the other elements mm. that you would normally associate with him out there. Yeah, that's the way I was sort of looking at it, because he's not given a chance to do the sweeping cinema, cinematic stuff in this movie. This is a, I was going to say it's a hard-boiled thriller, but it's also, as we say, quite light-hearted as well. Um, we'll go into some of the events that go on throughout the day in a second, because... It's, it's, you know, that there's armed robberies, there's, there's sex offenders, there's crooked cops, there's, there's ex-commando vicars. You know, we've got everything in this <laughs> movie, which I actually loved, actually. Jack Watlin's character I thought was brilliant. Um, can you grab your key, sir? Take a wander down the path with me and op- open up the Hall of Fame because I've got a funny feeling this is going to be a lot of people coming at your door. Okay, Village Hall of Fame, for those that don't know. If an actor, producer, director has appeared on the show three times, they are honoured to be inducted. It is an honour, isn't it, Stephen, I think, into the Village Hall of Fame? It is. I mean, it's, it's becoming an increasingly less unique offer. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so the honour is, is still there, in, in my opinion, because, you know, if you 
it shouldn't be diminished the the level that people are getting from free appearances because it does show that they they were quintessential to British cinema. Still amazes me the names that are coming up before the names that we're expecting. We say this week in and week out. I mean, for example, before you go into your never-ending list, where's Jack Hawkins in the Hall of Fame? Is he in? Uh, well, as of today, yes. Ah, right, this is number three. Yep. Ah, right, because he's one that we would have put yeah, ten weeks ago, twenty weeks ago, possibly. Right. Sorry, I've jumped in. I've, I've no, upset. No, I've upset your whole no, no <laughs> system. No, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> no. We we get we get through this that there's certain names that we do recognise um, that are more household names mm. that don't appear as often. You know, we've got the Alec Guinnesses and things like that yeah. that you would expect to have, have come in very early on, but but haven't. You've also got. Names and an example today is, is Billy Whitelaw playing a, a, a bit part in Didn't this that is her. uncredited, but yeah. she's a, a known name amongst a number of people acting in this country. Um, sadly gone now, but mm. so then these people aren't the ones that were the first ones in really, and aren't the ones that have racked up the most appearances either. It's the people who you um, react with who. <laughs> and I don't know that person, and, and no, I don't recognise his face. Do you know what? And, we're, we're coming uh, to actually know them and recognise some of these. We are now. Aren't we? um, we're, we're starting to recognise them. We are, mm. um, and other people will have to oh, just the, catch up on. People on that, are playing so. along with us. You know that people are playing along. Yeah, especially with the legendary Mr. Harrington, um, who you Bless. will be mentioning in a second, I'm sure. Yeah, fire away, so, Stephen. So what have we got? Well, what have we got in before, store? Yeah, well, um, you know there are. There are some people who are getting their second appearance in this, in, including including Anna Massey and and um, uh, uncredited George Cole. George Cole uh, was he in George it as well? Cole. He was he was uh, you know in the background. Um, <laughs> so, but um, we won't go through the list of, of um, who Number has two's. their second appearances because okay. um, there's fourteen of them. Oh, um, okay. Save them for the, the obviously they're they're waiting save outside them for when the they're when mm. they're waiting their wings. Um, yep. And um, what I'll now do is, um, in a, the style of a, a, a Japanese train conductor, mm-hmm. I shall put on some white gloves in order to push people into through the doors. <laughs> um, <laughs> considering that there's uh, the people who are finally getting into the Hall of Fame with their third appearance, um, there's 15 of them. <laughs> Just in this one movie, this is third appearance yeah. for 15 people. Yeah. Right, um... So I'm not going to list all the films I've been in like I, I would normally do. I'm just oh, going to no, rattle just, through just the the the, um, the list quickly because um, I don't have time to tell you what. what there wasn't each... that many people in the cast. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed the thing is it'd probably be a shorter list if I say um, who hasn't appeared already in some mm, other film that we've done, yeah. considering how many people there were in the cast. But oh, wow. um, fifty. So okay. So right. Uh, Derek Bond, who played Sergeant Kirby, who was the the corrupt um, taking the bribes. Yep. Um, Arthur Dibbs, who was in uh, in the courtroom. Um, Helen Goss, who was the employer who didn't think that the um, the employee was an actual blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Hawkins, um, say no more about him because we will yep. we will more later on. Um, Alistair Hunter, who was just one of the employers that they interviewed. John Lemieux. Mm-hmm. Who um, oh, we we know very well from other things. Dad's Army, particularly. Well, that's a good one. Who, that's a good um, one. Yep. He was a, a barrister in in yes. the courtroom, the brief courtroom scene. Um, but um, surprisingly, he hasn't come in earlier on, but no. he's now in there. Uh, Richard Leach, who was just uh, a bit part. Um, Alfie Mangan, who was man in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Colin McKenzie, who was a constable. Derek Prentice, who was one of the employers again. <laughs> uh, Robert Raglan, who was one of the um, police um, officers called Dawson. Yep. Um, Marjorie Rhodes, who was the mother of the um, the the poor family who yes. um, the, the the uncle um, comes mm-hmm. to visit. Um, Michael Trubshaw, as you say, Sergeant Golightly with that fantastic moustache. I love Michael Trubshaw, yes, yeah. Yeah, um, Davis Ward, who was just um, another bit part, and you previously mentioned um, Jack Watling, mm. who was um, in the in the church. The commando yeah. vicar. Yeah, 
So that's the the fifteen uh, third appearances of, well, of new people who I'm we're, we're forcing in like sardines into an annex, squeezing um, into the back row at the moment. And so, I think the most notable um, will be Jack Hawkins and John Lemesure. I think. Nice to see Michael uh, Trubshaw and, and Jack Watling in there as well. Yeah, they're most recognisable, yeah. Um, um, as wow. I said, Derek Bond is a face that is recognisable to people who've seen enough stuff. British cinema. Yeah. But, I mean, we do have four fourth appearances. Okay. Um, Arthur Faramus, John, uh, John Ingram, Barry Keegan, and uh, the previously um, highlighted Lawrence Naismith. Yeah, we love a bit of Lawrence Naismith. He did absolutely yeah, he, everything, he, that man. Yeah, And in this, he portrays this haunting disturbed yeah. um on the edge of who knows what hmm. um character um incredibly well yeah. um as you say hitchcockian it really is. that whole scene is is just edge of the seat but unnerving um to the point of it, it was i was thinking i was questioning if this was made in 1958 when i saw that scene because i'm thinking how did I know you don't see anything, but it's all implied, it's all inferred, it's all in your brain, it's all there, but it's all on the screen at the same time. And I'm just thinking, how shocking would that have been at the time to the British audiences? Bearing in mind, they were probably chuckling along at the incidents of you know some of the incompetent policemen two minutes before this. Yes, and I think that the 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 thing is that the censorship. Mm. Which didn't allow them to show anything anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously pushed people when they were making things like this and they were wanting to portray this. I mean, it was yeah. brave of them to decide to do so when they could have quite easily um, not done yeah. so, but mm. decided to, to do so. And as you say, it could quite well have been because this was part of the, the book that needed portraying that was more gritty. Yeah. But um, to take the what you know Hitchcock did and, and some others did as well where you allude to and that makes it more shocking mm-hmm. um, which is a trademark of, of Hitchcock even though he wasn't the only one that did it but certainly he did it best really yeah. um, and this is this is done in this and it does provide a massive counterpoint to the the bits of um, of silly humour over traffic tickets or um the, the fact that you know he can't get into his own bathroom, or there's a <laughs> there's an ongoing thing about a um, a salmon. The salmon, yeah. Mm. So um, so yeah, credit to it, um, Lawrence Nairsmith. Absolutely, Definitely. without a, a yes. doubt. Yeah. So and following that, people who were making their fifth appearance, the six of those: um, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy going. Charters, uh, Lucy Griffith, Miles Malson, who yes, played the, the judge, judge yeah. um, who was a very recognisable mm-hmm. uh, Jack Silk. Um, mm-hmm. Robert Vossler and John Warwick. Yep. Um, we have one sixth appearance, which is George Curtis, who just played a constable. Mm-hmm. Two seventh appearances, which <laughs> is Patrick Haplin and Jim O'Grady. Jim O'Grady. Um, who's Jim O'Grady? Yeah, Jim O'Grady. Who's Jim O'Grady? <laughs> Two eighth appearances, which is Ernest Blythe, who is just one of the city gents in the pub, and Jack Mayer. And then there's somebody making, um, and you won't be surprised at who it is, but there is somebody making an eleventh appearance. Now... I knew he was Take in it. Take a guess. Yeah, I knew he was in it. Let's, let's get the klaxon going now, shall we? Because when you mentioned it, I quickly looked last week when you announced this was going to be our movie. I quickly looked on IMDb and I said to you there and then, I went, mm. Victor Harrington's in it. Oh, my God. I looked out for him. I couldn't find him. I, was, I wasn't looking particularly hard, but I thought, you know what, if he if he popped into view, I'd recognise him. But you I do recognise him now. Well, yeah. I do now. Yeah, we didn't. 10 appearances ago but now it's instantly recognisable I mean I said to you I sent you a a tweet or a text the other night didn't I because I was watching Ladies Who Do which is a very late Ealing comedy from the early 60s and it featured both our dear friend Marianne Stone the Duchess and Victor Harrington within five minutes of each other in the same movie because straight away I recognised him and all he was doing was sitting in a boardroom at a table well, the first time round when I watched this, um, Gideon's Day, mm. first time round when I watched this, I had to take it back because I thought that the usherette in the cinema was Marianne Stone. So did I. No, and was, I went, yes. is it? Oh, no, it's no. not. Yeah. I thought that as well. I didn't actually rewind it, but I knew she wasn't in the credits, so I didn't bother double-checking, but... Yes, did spot that. But Victor Harrington's in this again, uncredited. Number 11, is he still top of the tree? 
Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 right there, right at the top. Um, and um, I, I'm not sure. Even Soul Chamberlain, I think, is going to be a, a while off catching up with him. He's got a couple um, of carry-ons to go yet. Yeah, once Cyril the carry-ons kick in a bit yeah. more, he'll he have more chance. But um, until then, we we have the the, the king of the podcast um, in that sense. But as you said before, not one of these big names that people no um, big name to us. Mm. But, <laughs> Oh yeah, we, you know. he's, a, he's, he's the star of the podcast, as we I, said. I think, I think to be perfectly honest, I think we now qualify as the Victor Harrington fan club. Yeah, um, the Victor and Marion fan members. club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's us. But then people are picking up on this as well. We're getting lots of comments from the Facebook group and Twitter and stuff like that, saying you know, they're just as surprised as we are at these bit players. Oh yeah, it's people telling, telling us that they spotted him in something. Yeah, um, or, or not spotted him, but he's in there. <laughs> um, it's, that's more what, what happens with him. Going, you know, it's it's one of those where Wally, where's Wally? But in actual mm. fact, there's, there's, he's not actually in the picture. But like I say, um, I've got to the point where you know, even if I'm not looking out for him, if I, I can spot him now, he's very distinctive, Victor Harrington. Very distinctive look to it. He does, yeah. It's that sort of droopy um, eyelids mm. and, and everything. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, we unfortunately John Ford isn't going to get into the Hall of Fame um, at any time because he didn't do any. I don't think he did any other British films. Uh, one up uh, was it? One other, I think, or one other contemporary movie, wasn't it? I think he's listed as doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Although, technically speaking, apparently this is should be more considered to be a. Um, an Irish film because of the financing and oh, such right. like. But, okay, we've had but, these um, arguments before, haven't we? So yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, but we still class that as as being British Isles. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so the you know there's an avalanche of of people into the Hall of Fame, and um, included in that is is Tibby Clark, thankfully, um, who deserves recognition for, for his work, but also as as you've rightly pointed out, that Jack Hawkins finally. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, got in there because we did expect him to get in earlier. I'm going to ask you to just do a little bit of work before the next episode because I, I, I'd like you to consider two other potential inductees, or certainly knocking on the door if they're not in. On this movie, the art director was a guy called Ken Adam. Now, Ken Adam was famous for being the man that designed all the sets for the Bond movies and also things like Doctor Strangelove, The War Room. Now, Ken Adam is going to crop up again and again and again. He was one of this country's most famous and most competent art directors and he was art department here, I think he's listed as. So if we could have a little look and see where he stands, mate, because we don't include a lot of the backroom boys, but you know we said there's some (coughs) notable ones that we'd like to include. Directors yes, we and have done before, and yeah, there's yeah. certain ones we picked up on, yeah. I think Ken Adam needs to be looked at, mate, if you find the time to do that. And one other... No, it's not a problem. One other name stood out for me. And it's, it's really trivial when you look at what part he played in this movie. He was the conductor of the music department, right? It's a guy called Muir Matheson, who was also a composer. And when you look at his IMDb filmography... It's 559 credits. Which would mean that there's the, a the likelihood of, <laughs> of yeah. Um, spanning decades and decades. I mean, without going through them, I'm literally just scanning down now. Doctor at Sea, The Cockle Shell Heroes, Richard III, A Hilling Career, Doctor at Large, The Admirable Crichton, Prince and the Showgirl, Campbell's Kingdom. Yeah. Famous, 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 famous movies. Um, I'm scrolling down. It's never ending. I'm at 1944. It's, there's nearly 600 credits for Moore Matheson as musical director or composer or conductor. From 1933 going up to, and this is a long list, a long list, up to 1975. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, well, brief encounter. Well, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, just uh, as a as a brief thing on on Ken Adam. I mean, he does he does get in. Oh, you've um, looked already. already. Oh, well done, thank you. Yeah. Um, Doctor Noah Nick Cresswell. Yes. 
Oh, brilliant. So there's a new inductee. I'd like so, to include so they, Adam if we can, please. Go. Squeeze so, in at the back. Um, can you move over, please? Squeeze uh, yeah, in. Thank I'll, you. Thank you. We'll provide him a seat. He might have to have a fold down chair until we can get him something more permanent. But, you know. We'll get the extension built on the village sit, hall. Sit on somebody's knee. Yeah. There's plenty in, in there. Um, as you say, his career was. Mm. Um, was resplendent really I'm and, just thinking, and so we shouldn't know, we I know we don't normally um go over because um, there are there will be a lot of people who were the people who would be behind the camera who were just, you know filming everything for a certain studio sort of thing. Yeah. So and they, they didn't do anything that maybe was out of the ordinary. They did a competent job but it wasn't. But these people that you're pointing out absolutely there's there's something a bit more Special and notable by the, about them and I, about what they did. So that's why Ken they should. Adam, you know, I'm yeah. thinking when we get to something like, say, Goldfinger, we've got to discuss how he recreated Fort Knox, and because that was a studio. You know, the the, the the guys that were running Fort Knox, the American government at the time, thought that he'd broken in or, you know, <laughs> got the plans from somewhere because it was apparently quite accurate. Some of the stuff that he'd recreated there. And we're going to find him coming up again and again, especially if we do Doctor Strange Love or something like that. You know those big Pinewood productions where you look at the sets and you think this is magnificent. Nine times out of ten, it's Ken Adam. You know, so uh, a Muir Matheson. Well, <laughs> he's probably got about a dozen appearances. He might he might knock over our dear friend Mr. Harrington, but we'll just have wow. to see. It'd be interesting if you do a little bit of research for us, mate, into that. I will. I think both both of them. Are already, um, are already in, yeah, um, easily because, as you say, yeah. um, brief encounter and, and Admiral Crichton alone. Yeah. Um, but I'll see what the actual total is. Um, <laughs> so see whether, whether they are knocking on the door of, of, of Mr. Harrington, it's a um, one of the Mr. Harringtons, because there's another Mr. Harrington who is, um, obviously got racked up about seven appearances himself, well, so then Victoria um, as well. And then Victoria, which we don't, <laughs> I've not managed to establish um, whether there's any any form of relationship between um, Victor, Victoria, and no. Aidan. But we shall see. But yeah, the, you know, this shows that the the vast majority of people who were in or involved in um, Gideon's way, yeah, uh, Gideon's day, sorry, um, were were people who came from this bunch of, of people who provided the quality. In British cinema at the time, yeah, to make it what it was. I mean, uh, whether they were behind the camera or in front of the camera, there was just, uh, you know, even the bit part people were people that were so steadfastly intrinsic to to British cinema. And this, you know, this film is in a lot of ways um, intrinsically British, despite being having an American director. It, it could be described as in some parts. Not not all of it, but some parts of it are achingly British. Where you've got you know you've got a, a a police inspector that's that's smoking a pipe, um, and you've got some <laughs> grand duchess in her pearls, and you know referring to him as young man, even though he's in his late forties or early fifties, yes. you know. And it, these elements um, are put together by the various crew and um, writers and stars and and etc. of of this film. Um, that does, that does, you know, put it across as being um, so intrinsically British. It's also not necessarily sort of like the historical aspect of you know these guys are part of the British film industry. There's a lot of. Did you notice a, a bit of the old acting dynasty dynasty stuff in this as well? With, for example, um, Cyril Cusack was Birdie Sparrow, yes. obviously the Cusack family. Yeah. You've got. Andrew Ray, who we mentioned briefly, I don't think you were part of the episode, it may have been Carry On Teacher, but his father was Ted Ray, and his brother Robin Ray, who went on to do a lot of radio and TV stuff. And then there was another one I noticed, another dynasty, well, not quite a dynasty as such, but Jack Watling, who we've mentioned previously, Debbie Watling, went on to Doctor Who and other sort of hammer horrors and things like that as well. Um, yeah, and the other family relation in this film was um there was the the two youngest children of um inspect of the, mm. the chief character gideon and um, they were actually real life brothers and sister oh there you go i bet we never see so. them again 
<laughs> no, uh, well, no, well, actually, uh, Mavis Ranson, who's the youngest daughter, she actually uh, it's her second appearance is this film, so we don't know about that one. Oh, oh, that, oh I could be proved wrong then. Okay, James Hater was in it. I've just noticed as well. James Hater, who, yeah. who, yeah, and this is the one of the things that I, you know I was going to mention in passing mm. um, that um, I originally was convinced in in my own my own head yeah that was actually um somebody completely different um but um because it, it is you know the the resemblance to jack warner um Ooh, in bit, this yeah. film yeah i yeah. i first time around after i'd watched it i thought I'm sure that was jack warner and then when i no, watched it back i went oh no it isn't him at all it just james here that happens to look like him in this film in this film um, yeah just in just in this film it's not like he's a doppelganger in a, 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 oh, a no, twin no him normally but in this film and i'm going oh right because that would have been a strange link to have you know have him to what he then went you know another copper doing, yeah and <laughs> um, with blue lamp and, and everything we should review that sometime um oh yeah if only but, if only yeah um <laughs> james hater again he, he'll, he'll crop up at some point he was in Oliver. yeah it's, it's his second appearance so he's yeah. only he's on the he's on the doorstep yeah incredible yeah. i'm just yeah. it's, i'm still so surprised at how many inductees and second appearances and it, it's a big cast for a film that doesn't appear to have a big cast that you've got the main players and you've got these these little separate little storylines that spread out over this 24-hour period and it could it, have been done with less cast um and it could have also been done with less um plot yeah, different plot elements, it. isn't it? There's um, lots they of different stories. could have stories, taken yeah. one of the plots out and they could have still kept it all together because mm. um, they're not all intricately linked. Uh, some of them some of them cross over, but yeah. they could have taken one element out and, and got away with the, the other. But, you know, in, in this, the, the, you managed to make sure characters that they have there, the variety of characters and the people in the background uh, makes you just feel the, the, the packedness and variety of what's going well, on rather than anything else. Isn't there a great bit where Gideon's boss says, well, why haven't you done that today? He said, well, apart from catching a sex murderer, breaking up an armed gang and, and dealing with a corrupt police officer, I really haven't had time, sir, or something like that, he says. Yeah, and then he makes a comment about um, about lunch. And he says, <laughs> I've not it. eaten all day. That so, you know, <laughs> talking on the, just on, just to finish off on the, the subject mm. of, of the actors yeah. within this, Diane Foster. Yeah. Who, um, who no, plays Delafield, the, the, wasn't she? Joanna Delafield, yeah. That's the, the odd thing in this is that she's not really a major character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even, I don't, I think she's not even a, a secondary character. She's no. more a tertiary character. Mm. Um, yet gets second billing after Jack Hawkins on the posters and, and Did things. John Ford bring her in? Yeah, she, and I think that's what I think that must have been where it came from. She is a um, Canadian actress, apparently of Ukrainian descent, it says here. Oh yeah, quite a, yeah, quite a, an odd trajectory um, from the the films that she did and where she you know where she came from, where she ended up to get to get second billing. That it must have been at the promotion of of John, John Ford, Ford or some other reason because her part isn't big enough um, to warrant second to, on the bill. Um, being you know being even named on the bill to be perfectly is, honest. Is there she's... a second on the bill? Is there anybody worthy of being up there with Jack Hawkins for this? Because there's so many little vignettes and scenarios going on there is no no it's difficult to to think who could be the 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 secondary character because Mm. there's a couple of different threads going on with regards to story there's not you know i think you know possibly the closest you'd come would be anna massey or 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 michael trubshaw really Um, trubs will be great yeah you can imagine that second yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i don't think unfortunately uh, regrettably for the Somebody who fantastic character actor. Um, regrettably, I don't think he was ever the star in any film. Um, oh no, he's a bit like Nigel Green, he's, isn't he? He's just that competent yeah. background actor that he's you always just, uh, think, oh, always a support. Yeah, yeah. always the. Um, but you always, always like. the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, and you always Even like as well. Mm, you always like. Oh. Yeah. Um, Looks very tall though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got that military bearing throughout the film, hasn't he? As well, which makes him stand yeah. direct and to attention. There's everything going on in this movie. Sort of in summary. I mean, I don't want to 
spoil any sort of like plot lines because there's five plot lines we could spoil here in this movie. There's a yeah. lot. If you want, if you like movies where you're not going to drift off because you just need to be watching just to keep an eye on what's going on. And, and just when you think it's all over, you know, something's been resolved, something else pops up literally seconds and it goes off on a completely different tangent, also on a completely different tone. This is the movie for you. Um, cannot fault the acting on any of this, apart from there was one wince-inducing moment with the crooked cop's wife being drunk. Mm, yeah. She was a bit over the top. But apart from that, I really like this film. I need to see it again. You do. I you, think you do, yeah. yeah. Um, and probably quite soon as well. I think so. And, it, and it's I hadn't seen it before, and it's not the fact that I didn't want to see it. It's the fact that... You just look at it and you think, oh, Gideon's Day, Gideon of Scotland Yard. Oh, it's just one of those bog-standard 1950s police procedurals that we were chucking out at the time. But as we've learned from people like Basil Bearden, when, when you put a police procedural in the, in the right hands, it ends up as something a little bit special. So when you put a 1958 police procedural in the hands of John Ford and Tibby Clark. Why on earth did I not watch this before? Because it, it just screams un- uniqueness here. It's, it's, it's one of a kind. I, th- I can't think of anything to compare this to because you can't say it's like the Blue Lamp or you can't say it's like... Uh, what was the Dearden one we did with Stanley Baker? A uh, Violent Playground. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's its own entity here. Yeah. Of course, it does come as the long arm, but even mm. then... That's just the character's that's, very that's, similar, that's, though, that's, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it, that does have an element of his home life as well as, mm. um, but it's that's really just pursuing one, one case. Yeah, it doesn't have the variety in it, then the, 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 the mix uh, of different sort of threads yeah. going on, and in some ways that was innovative at, at the time. I think perhaps um, you know you could argue this was. Um, very much an early for, forerunner for not ne- not necessarily Pulp Fiction as such because that would be far much of a stretch. But mm. um, to have multiple threads that that do intertwine, not necessarily come directly together, but do intertwine, that was this was maybe an influence on some other films that then perhaps influenced uh, other films later and, and 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 Pulp Fiction where there's those threads um, crossing mm-hmm. over and and um, it's not just the the fact that there's the the main character involved in each one of them, they are, there is a, a, a crossover more than that. I can understand where you're coming from saying about, you know, seeing it again, but why hadn't you seen it previously, um, really? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, it was just one of those ones that is, is way down on my list of movies to watch because it just didn't, I didn't really know anything about it. It was just, oh, yeah, Jack Hawkins is as a cop, Scotland Yard cop. That's all all I needed to know. But it isn't when you look into it. So. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of different um, in, in my mind. I mean, this is just my mind, so I'm not speaking for both. Of us, but mm. in my mind, there's a, a couple of different threads to this podcast. There's some which is celebrating um, great British films that are well known, um, well regarded, or whatever. And we we actually are showing throwing our two pennies worth in and actually recognising yeah. how great great these various ones are. Yep. And then there is elements of going, ooh, yeah, well, not enough people know about this one. We'll, we'll put it in front of them. Um, it's the other us. bit of the yeah. bit of discovery or, or um, highlighting the, the maybe lost gems. Yeah. And despite the, the people involved in this, I do think, unfortunately, this is a... This is a lost gem. It shouldn't yep. be lost, really, Incredible. considering the mm-hmm. John Ford and Jack Hawkins and Tibby Clark. But yep. it seems to have been fallen between the cracks a little bit, yep. or at least got relegated on some people's list, like yourself. Yeah, yeah, through no fault of anybody's, apart from my own ignorance. So, based on my first time watch, it's, it's three and a half to four stars for me out of five. I'm taking a guess here that you're going to say to people, you've just got to seek this out on Talking Pictures TV or wherever you can find it to have a little look at it. Yeah, preferably on Talking Pictures TV, but um, go going for, you know further than that. I mean, it's some people we do know are, um, are put off by older films, and this, despite its um, 
it's it's age it was a color film done you know which was again a, a quite unique that a british crime thriller yeah. drama of the time in the 50s been done in color obviously the john ford thing managed to Bump get the budget, that i suppose yeah. mm. but um yeah i would say people should go out the way for it definitely and and don't necessarily you know not say big screen or anything but on tv and look out for it appearing on something like talking pictures tv which um gives you the best source of of um of, of films that we you know we have on our television screens cannot support and them enough exactly yeah absolutely yeah and i, and I hear that the, the podcast that they do is is, is quite good um oh, well one out one out of three of them oh, yeah. two i heard it was two out of three but there you go mm-hmm. um and then <laughs> Anyway, so um, <laughs> cut that. Then you, then, you, then you have a go, don't you? I um, you fill in the gap, don't <laughs> you? Um, I th- yeah, I do think people should go out the way for it. It's a, it's a, a unique in many respects, and it's a you're able to sit down and and watch this scene, life in full colour of of the 1950s, about how things went on, and there's there's elements in it that I think are just in some respects, capturing police life and, and domestic life, but some of the, the, the rest of the 50s life, the oh, whole thing yeah. about how traffic lights worked in the time and, and all that kind of thing. And <laughs> it's got a, a bit of the British quaintness in it, as well as some of this quite serious drama and, and the the thrill of, of and tension of not knowing, you know, what is going to come of certain situations yeah. with certain characters, because subtly done and, and actually maybe it is throwing far too many many different genres and elements into one film um but because of the people involved in it i think it gets away with it definitely I'm, it I'm could glad. Be, as i say it could be a complete chaos and a mess in other people's hands but the the, the combination i think makes it it work yeah. but it does does need more than one watch i think just to really appreciate it so um you know Hopefully uh, you'll get to see it again soon. Yeah, there's a lot in there. There's a lot to take in. Deserves two viewings. And I've just got a funny feeling the second viewing is going to be even more enjoyable than the first. So let's take a short break. That's 1958. It's Gideon's Day or Gideon of Scotland Yard, as the American title was. We'll take a short break. We'll be back after this with what we're watching next time. was 1958 Gideon's Way Gideon of Scotland Yard and and thanks again for that mate that was absolutely fantastic film I really did enjoy it let, let everybody else make their mind up if they haven't seen it seek it out have a have a little look I'm sure you'll be impressed it's my turn to choose for you and what I'm going to do we're going to go for the following year we're going to go 1959 and it's finally happened after about a year of preparation mate we have hit the first of the official kitchen sink dramas Oh, not too much of a surprise. But it's about time we worked our way through the the ten or so officially recognised Angry Young Man movies. Yeah. So, 1959, Look Back in Anger. Big, big movie. Richard Burton, Claire Bloom, Mary Ewers in it. Big movie for Tony Richardson. You know, John Osborne, it's the whole... The whole of that genre is coming together now. You know, we've been building up with the precursors and the influences for sort of five or six movies now. And it's about time we actually dived in, I think. This is it. It's, you know, it's starting, although there's been the precursors, there's been the various elements seeded by other people, Basil mm-hmm. um, did in particular. In particular, yeah. Um, this is... This is the culmination now, and obviously, yes, although although other people recognising certain films as being part of a list or whatever isn't it, something we always align ourselves with. I think, uh, you know, this is, 
it should be recognised that it, it is popularly seen as the third of the the, the the ten or whatever. It's a bit um, difficult. So I think it's, it's, mm. it's right for us to at least acknowledge that and yeah. um, and and give it give it a good watching and um, our views. Yeah, I was, I was in two uh, minds because 1959 Room at the Top came out as well, but I'm sure look back in anger the play was earlier, sort of 56. Mm. So I, I haven't checked on release dates. I think I'm right in saying Look Back in Anger came out earlier in the year than Room at the Top. We'll go with this particular order anyway. I think it makes sense because it was the one, as I say, that had the most influence from the theatrical play release rather than the theatrical screen release. So it's going to be interesting, mate. We've got a lot to talk about. You know, it's 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 running concurrently with the French New Wave. It's It's our answer to that and it's a completely different beast. And it's just building us up for about another I reckon well, I think we've got about another 15 to 20 that we want to talk about after this haven't we as, you know on top of the or as, as well as the, the 10 officially yeah. recognised ones it's yeah absolutely I mean we, although we're not going to go through every every film that does fall within the, the sphere hmm. of, of this description there's certainly a few more that are going to be densely packed together like like um, this and, and Room at the Top, which are more or less back to back release dates, and but still merit worthy in their own respect, rather than sort of just picking one every so often. That's a good example. There's there's quite a few good examples in a row now, mm. so it's well, it's right that we that we do it. And you know, for all we're, you know, describing them within a, a certain category, there's quite a lot of variation between them as well. In some some. Oh, the, the, the genre bends a wee bit. I mean, mm. just to give you some idea of, of where this is going to go, obviously it's going to be looked back in anger, then room at the top. 1960 was Saturday night, Sunday morning, and The Entertainer. See, The Entertainer's a slightly different beast. Um, we're getting to the one I'm looking forward to probably most of all, or one of the ones I'm looking forward to most of all is The Taste of Honey and a kind of loving 61, 62. The L-shaped room surprised me at how much I enjoyed it. Loneliness of the long distance runner. And then when we get to this sport in life and Billy Liar, officially that's where most people say it stops. But we're going to carry on with Sparrows Can't Sing. Alfie, you know, Georgie Girl could have cropped in there and Kez and later on, couldn't he? Yeah, you know? Spring and Part Wine. Uh, 1970. That's film that, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'll give him a view at the time of it, but, um, but that's one. That's that I'm looking there. forward to talking about, and that, obviously that's towards the tail, and that is almost yeah. the end. The bit last but one, that, I think. That, yeah. um, it encapsulates a certain amount of it, it bookending. That film had a, a bit more impact as well, because obviously, we've, sort of, some of the other films are, are, are London-based, and yep. which, you know, as we've said before, London-based films have a bit more of a resonance with you and, and those outside well, London with me. So you will be catered um, for because towards the tail end of it, there'll be a lot of Mr. Loach creeping in there. Because I think it, we're yes, going to do Kathy Come it. Home, aren't we? And, yeah. um, all these happy films that oh, he does. Yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's certainly enough there to, to keep us going. And although we're, we're not wanting to drag it out, neither are we wanting to actually rush through sort of it, fill really. the entire schedule with it back to back. I think it's right that that this comes in at this time. Every three or four episodes, I think, we'll just dip into the next one, I think. So it could be going on for another two years at this rate, but who cares? We're just, we're just enjoying actually reviewing these. Well, it's yes, seeing the that, evolution, you know, aren't we? You know, so. I intend to still be doing doing this in that time frame. So, I hope so. Yeah. I hope you're still there, my friend. So, bearing all that in mind, that has been Real Britannia. You've been Stephen. I've been Scott. <laughs> I'll just end this podcast for God's sake. I'll see you next time. <laughs> Take care. Ta-da, mate.
helping the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.